Hello, friends. This is Ryan Stewart, associate producer at Chat with Leaders Media. I wanted to wish you all season's greetings as you are in your time of vision casting and planning for the new year as we are. We wanted to ensure a steady drip of wisdom hitting your feed to encourage and inspire your leadership. We care deeply about supporting your leadership development through the wisdom of our guests and helping purpose-driven leaders like you continue to be a force for good in the world. Today, we are revisiting one of our episodes from the Leadership Vault. Over to you, Jeff. Welcome to Chat with Leaders. Our mission is to give resilient servant leaders a platform for sharing the inspiring things they're doing to lead their teams, customers, and themselves wisely. I'm today's host, Jeff Baum with AppBerry, where we build custom web and mobile apps, and I'm incredibly proud to introduce the president and CEO of Atlanta Community Food Bank as today's guest, Kyle Wade. Kyle, welcome to Chat with Leaders. Hey, uh, great to be with you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Very welcome. You guys have been hard at work, and I can't wait to chat with you about it. I know that through more than 600 nonprofit partners, Atlanta Community Food Bank helps more than 755,000 people get healthy food every year, and I'm sure that number is on the rise. The purpose of this show, Kyle, as I mentioned to you, is to have short chats with meaningful ideas, to share the inspiration, leadership challenges you're facing, and to give you a platform for sharing those things. So let's jump right in. Can you give us just a backstory of your beginnings in leadership and what led you into this executive position with one of the biggest food banks in the country? Sure. So I would say my background starts with being a public school kid from Mississippi. You know, I grew up alongside a lot of kids who struggled uh, with food security, who lived in uh, pretty challenging circumstances. And they were my friends, you know, they were my teammates and I cared about them. And, and I certainly also saw what outcomes later showed up in their lives as they got out of school and became adults. And so that's part of the formative experience is just to see that too many of the kids growing up in our country really don't have opportunity to get ahead and need access to more opportunity. In terms of career, the first part of my career was spent in the nonprofit world. I was a core member with Teach for America and taught school in Compton, California for a few years and learned a lot about some of the challenges that the kids in that community faced, not only with food, but for broader opportunity to be successful. That experience led me to do a few other things in the nonprofit world that involved a variety of functional expertise, you know, from fundraising to communications to operations and kind of create a rounded skill set. I took a detour for about seven years and worked in the private sector with a, a great company here in Atlanta, the Home Depot, both in uh, kind of corporate social responsibility roles and uh, as an operator. I was actually a store manager for Home Depot. And that also kind of gave me a variety of experience in the sort of communication and external affairs space, as well as as an operator of a $40 million business. And then when the opportunity came up to come to the food bank, it was this unique opportunity to combine my kind of operational background, my business and leadership background with the nonprofit experience and my mission orientation, thinking back to those kids who I wanted to create more opportunity for. So uh, it was a great opportunity, and I'm really thrilled that I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, I'm thrilled to have you doing it too. You've had such an incredible impact on the organization in Atlanta and such a great story of shared 
mission and purpose and marrying that with gifts that you have that you've honed through corporate and nonprofit. And really the success is evident. You guys recently moved into a massive 340,000 square foot facility on the west end of Atlanta. Can you tell me a little bit more about why this new facility was built and how this has increased your capacity and have to serve the Atlanta community? Sure. So a few years ago, I think we were uh, doing strategic planning and we uh, aligned around a goal to really dramatically increase our output to the community and, and to provide more food to people in need. We quickly identified that we did not have the infrastructure to really support that kind of growth. And in particular, we did not have a facility that would support that kind of growth. We knew that even though at the time we were in a great economy that was helping to reduce levels of food insecurity uh, across our region, we also anticipated that there would be a downturn at some point. Not sure what the catalyst would be, but we knew there would be a downturn. And so we began planning for a building that would allow us to increase our output as part of responding to a downturn and uh, having the capacity to do that in a new building. Flash forward three years and or two and a half years, and we moved into a new building on March 2nd that is dramatically different. As you mentioned, it's 345,000 square feet. We have 70,000 square feet of refrigeration space, 35 dock doors. It's just a totally different footprint than what we had been operating with. And a week after moving in, basically the world changed. It would have been great if we had a little bit more lead time to get used to the building, but suffice it to say that the kind of response we've been able to support so far during this crisis would not have been possible if we were not in this new building. I mean, we've just been able to do so much more because we're here than we could have in the other place. Well, that just seems so divine inspired. I mean, incredible foresight. And and yeah, it would have been nice to have a little bit more lead time for this unprecedented time. But I know that your demand has increased just drastically, it seems overnight. So talk to me a little bit about how that demand has changed as a result of the coronavirus pandemic and what leadership challenges have ensued and have you faced as a result? So we believe that food insecurity levels have increased by somewhere around 40% since the onset of this crisis. You know, we were already serving 700,000 people in need in our community, and now that number is probably around a million people. That increase in demand is in particular uh, concentrated um, uh, among a number of different groups. Certainly, there are a lot of newly unemployed people, but there are also lots of families with kids who normally rely on meals at school, who are now facing uh, challenges, meeting all their nutrition needs. You have a lot of low-income seniors who are struggling. Uh, you have um, a growing homeless population. Uh, and in many ways, while there are people who are newly food insecure, we think the growth in food insecurity is disproportionately affecting those communities who were struggling already before this, right? So communities of color, the groups I mentioned a moment ago, um, low-income workers across our region, those are the people who are most impacted, you know, who had the greatest level of vulnerability prior to the crisis. And now that that's here, you've seen that vulnerability turn into real need 
and in many cases, desperation. And so, yeah, given this unprecedented time of higher unemployment and how that's affected new communities as well as perpetuated the communities that were already struggling, as you mentioned, it seems like there's going to be a long road of, of recovery ahead with increased hunger demand for the foreseeable future. And I think I saw that you guys are spending about eight times the normal amount on food or or something just astronomical. And so with awareness of the need and community support for the food bank being paramount, in my opinion, what are ways in which other leaders and community members can help Atlanta Community Food Bank tackle this huge issue? So thanks for that question. It's important to know that the food bank, in response to that growth in need, has dramatically increased our distribution of food. So we're now distributing 2 million pounds of food a week, and that's up around 40% or more from what we were doing prior to the crisis. To achieve that, we've had to invest in a lot of additional capacity. You know, we've got more trucks on the road. We've got more staff. We're working longer hours. And in particular, we're buying a lot more food, right? We're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars every week to buy food, a lot more than we used to. So we need financial support to sustain this for the long term. People can do that at our website, acfb.org. It's right there on the homepage. You just click donate and it'll take you a few seconds. And know that when you do that, we're going to be able to translate every dollar you donate into close to four meals for people in need across our community. It's a great impact for every dollar. Uh, So I encourage people to do that. And how is it going with the volunteer community and the ability for people to serve in your product rescue center. I've done that several times with Ricky Steele's Technology Cares, Technology Shares. It's such a great energy and great community of volunteers, and, and we've been missing it. We're, we're anxious to get back. When can we do that? We have so many great volunteers. We engage about 30,000 volunteers a year. We closed our facility to outside volunteers as part of reducing the risk of infection for our staff. You know, as we got into this, we're thinking about our plans for reopening the facility to volunteers, but we haven't done that just yet. We hope to do it in the near future, and we'll let the data and the science guide us on when it's safe to do that. In the meantime, people can certainly go to our website, acfb.org, click on the Find Help button to locate pantries around the region, and we encourage people to connect with those pantries and volunteer at those locations. They need more volunteer capacity sure you can find one in your local neighborhood, your local community, somewhere that's convenient for you to get to. And you can make a big difference volunteering there as you wait for opportunities to come back to the food bank to help out. Well, those are incredible resources and advice. And it seems like you're making the prudent decisions to let science guide you in the opportunity to bring volunteers back. So when that happens, we will be there with bells on and and we'll uh, be excited to, to get in the front lines with you. Kyle, as we forge ahead faithfully through this pandemic and we move into the recovery phases, what advice would you have for leaders in general in terms of what to focus on now? I think right now it's important for all of us to start thinking not just about kind of the hair on fire response effort that we were engaged in for the first sort of 60 days of this, but to be thinking about a long-term recovery kind of plan. What have we learned from the vulnerabilities that have been exposed by this crisis? And what capacity do we now need to go invest in collectively? And that's true for every organization. You know, this has exposed challenges that, and vulnerabilities. Uh, we need to go invest in capacity to shore up those vulnerabilities. 
And similarly, as a community, we've got to identify where we're vulnerable and, and how we can reduce that vulnerability. So that would be the advice I would have is, you know, how do you think ahead now and start making investments in capacity and alongside that to think about what new partnerships that may have emerged through this crisis that will be things we can sustain and continue uh, going forward that really uh, increase our impact in whatever business we happen to be in. Well, we're in this together and we will come out of it together and, and we'll be stronger together if we do focus on those partnerships and taking that advice. So thank you for that, Kyle. I know you mentioned your website and ways that people can get a hold of uh, the organization and contribute financially, learn more about the local pantries. Are there any other ways through social media, email, anything like that in which people can get a hold of the food bank or learn more about you? I think the best source of information, right, is to go to our website, acfb.org. Uh, you can also follow us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn and through a variety of different handles, right? You know, just look up Atlanta Community Food Bank and you'll find a way to follow us and keep up to speed on what we're doing. Great. Well, we'll be getting this video episode out very quickly on YouTube, as well as the audio episode, wherever you consume your podcast, whether that's Apple, Google, Stitcher, et cetera. We'll also make quick mentions on our website with links to the food bank and, uh, and a link to the episode. At Chat with Leaders is our handle. Uh, you can email us at info at chatwithleaders.com if you have any suggestions as to how we can improve the show and continue to add value to leadership community. Kyle, it was such a gift to have you on. Thank you so much for investing the time to be with us today. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. And I hope everybody out there stays safe and stays healthy. And together, we're going to get through this. Absolutely. Absolutely.